Hey, and welcome in to House of L episode number 52. It's going to be a good one today. I can promise you that. I am Lawrence Holmes, and I am glad that you are a part of the voyage that we are taking on House of L. Today marks a bit of a first for an episode of House of L because in the history of the pod, the what eight-month history of the pod, I've never interviewed and produced and dropped an episode on the same day. Outside, well, yeah, the the ones where, like, Kopech got hurt and Mac got hurt, no interviews, even though I did produce and drop it the same day. But there's never been an interview episode where I've done that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about you hearing today's episode. I... This is one of my favorite guys. There's there's, there's no other way I can say it. Joe Ostrowski is one of my favorite people. And considering that he was the executive producer of my show, I think when you hear it, you'll understand how in sync we are as radio entities. Because now, by this point, I think like he thinks, he thinks like I think. We have differences of opinion on things, too, but I've always really liked and respected his brain when it comes to this business in this industry. And you'll hear us talking about my decision to just let this episode ride, to not two-part this one, and just let it ride. Let people enjoy the whole thing in one fail swoop, and I think I'm going to try and do that more instead of chopping stuff up into two episodes. I feel like that was a mistake in the golf episode. So episode two and three or episode two and two B. I felt like that was a mistake. I should just let it ride. I did leave you with a great cliffhanger at the end of part one. And I was proud about that, but I should have just let the whole thing ride. That's the, the situation with Joe. We had a lot to talk about a ton and We both have a real love for the industry in different pieces, but it's it's a love for what we've done and what we hope to do. If you're like, well, wait, who's Joe Ostrowski? Okay, well, Joe Ostrowski used to be a producer at The Score. Now he's the update anchor in the morning. You hear him during Mully and Haw. And he does an early odds podcast. And he writes a column for The Athletic. He does all sorts of like other like stuff. He works for Veasan, and he's become the, I think, one of the foremost authorities on sports betting in Chicago. Got a great mind for it. If you're someone who's into it, you'll dig it. But this isn't about all of that. It's in there in this hour and a half that we talked. It's in there, but it's not the entire pot. I just enjoy the way that he thinks about things, and I imagine that you would too. So after his shift, and I'm recording this on Tuesday evening, after his shift, I came in and recorded with him, and I thought that he, you know, he'd been up since 2.30 in the morning. I'm, I'm trying to not hold people forever when I have them on the podcast, but we just kind of kept going, and you'll hear it. Because one interesting thing turned into another interesting conversation. So you'll get an idea of what life is like at the score, what life used to be like at the score, 
we both have strong feelings about the station getting rid of updates. So we talk about that. We talk about the industry as a whole. We talk about where sports betting is going as an industry. We talked about what shows we like and why we like them. And it's a lot of fun. I, th- I think that it's um, it's probably one of the more, if you're a radio geek, like you're really going to dig it. But I think you'll like it regardless because of the way Joe presents things. And you'll get an idea of what a pre-show meeting between us is like. Because that's what it felt like. It felt like the stuff that we did before a show would go on, or honestly, as the show was going on. And I think you'll come to understand why I trust him implicitly. Like, this is a, a, a guy on a very short list of people that in the industry that I trust implicitly. And I, I think you'll figure that out as you, you listen. So this is episode 52. Give it a spin. I think you'll enjoy it. The scores and VEASANs and the athletics, Joe Ostrowski. So you're working tonight? I am. I am. I'm, I think I'm going to, I can go. I can, I can go. Like, that's just how I'm looking at it. Like, I need, I need to get out the house, man. Like, it's bad. Like, I've been in the house for like three days and I'm tired I, of I myself. Killed, I killed to be in the house for three days. I don't know if you would, though. I would. With the kids? Oh, I meant they were gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I meant like your situation. It well, I don't know, man. It I got really bored. Well, yesterday. one day was all football. One day was all football, which was great, but I was kind of in and out of it because the drugs kicked in. Yeah. So luckily, what did, what ha- what'd you have? I, I got a sinus infection. And what they give you? So they gave me amoxicillin. So initially, I was getting better. Um, I was getting better without using any drugs. So the doctor was like. Well, since you're getting be- like since you're on the upswing without the drugs, don't use the drugs unless you get worse. And I said, okay, no problem. So that was last Friday, last Friday, okay. And so I'm sitting around. I'm like, okay, I feel okay. I, I come to work the rest of the week, and then Thursday I started to feel like I was going downhill. And I said, well, you know what? Just drink more water, drink more tea, get ready for the show. I did Friday's show, and I walked out of here Friday night, and I was like, I don't feel great at all. Yeah. So Saturday was all football. You know, you're know, you sitting day. around. Yeah, me and you. No, there was no football Saturday. It was Sunday. There was football on Saturday. Oh, yeah, it was just was. bad. I'm moving ahead to championship Sunday. Right. It was just bad. Yeah, you're right. And and so. It felt like there wasn't. It yeah. really did. And And we went out for breakfast, and when I got back, I was just like, I can't really do anything. Like, we we – Mel even got like my favorite food Saturday night at Poncho Pistola, uh, where we went for my bachelor party, right. and I didn't even want it. Like yeah. I, I, I wanted nothing. Like I was wasn't hungry, and that's usually a a telltale sign that I'm sick. Like all I wanted was sleep. So I fell asleep on the couch Saturday night, Sunday morning. I said, okay, now it's time for me to to take these these drugs. You know, yeah. so I I started taking them, and then Sunday I felt dizzy. And they tell you, like, you're not supposed to really do anything if you, like, check for reactions, like, that sort of thing. And I called Mitch and was like, I can't work tomorrow. Like, I told him Sunday morning that Monday night 
there was no way I was going to be able to to do the show. Yeah. So now I feel a little bit better, like having the whole day off, and I probably shouldn't work tonight. But yeah, it's a shorty tomorrow and a shorty on Thursday, and then Cubs convention. Mm. Yeah. So you know, it's whatever. I'll be good. I just needed. Wasn't asked to do Cubs convention. You? Yes. Why not? I don't know. You want to come be on? I mean, no, I'm fine with it. All right, because I was gonna say I could just bail. I'll I'll be here recording. I mean, for my Saturday show, probably. All right. Well, hopefully, I'm good though. I mean, I I still sound a little nasal, but it wasn't as bad as Friday. And luckily, Friday's show was uh, breaking, like with all the 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 Pagano stuff. So stupid ass parky thing in the morning. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I I didn't get as deep into that as I wanted to, but what did you want to do with it? I mean, we went into it. It was good. Like I went and broke it down like the first segment, and then then the Pagano news was like, and I was like, ah, I gotta break away from it. But probably a good thing. It was it was good. I'd say it, but I was happy to see that my opinion of Parky doing that was backed up by what Negi said. He was not happy yeah. about it at all. He clearly wasn't, but I think he's gone anyways. Like, yeah, I do too. Maybe that didn't matter, but that was probably the final. Yeah, nail. that that felt like the the thing that was going to push things over. Yeah, over the top for sure. All right, so wait, let me stop wasting time because I got all sorts of stuff to ask you. And I know you want to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> I don't. You think I go home and go to bed? There's no shot in hell. No. Maybe I tried when I first started this shift. No, there's no way. I just try to get as much sleep as I can at night. I'll try to go to bed earlier. Um, you can't get a nap in between no, now and no. Don has meetings. Emma's home. Jack has been picked up from the bus at about two thirty. There's no chance. So there's no nap at all. And once I get home, I'm I haven't eaten all day for the most part. I might eat a little something like at two thirty a.m. So then I'm hungry, and then once I'm hungry, I can't go right to bed. No, there's no nap. So it's really like the shift has changed your life. Yeah. Yes. You remember that. I know, but it's, you know, it's it was a jump from you being a producer to being full-time on air. So it's, it's, it's a good thing, but... I've said all the time that morning shows take years off your life. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of not doing morning shows. The guys I work with in the morning, I can't believe how long they've been doing it. And David kind of didn't understand in the beginning. He gets people, it now. He understands. <laughs> After one week, he's like, oh, yeah, I get it now completely. Yeah, I don't know how they've done it so long. I don't have any idea. I've been doing it. God, see, that's the thing about this building, and especially that shift. Like time, like mm-hmm. I have no idea. What almost two years? Yeah. When once baseball starts, I'll be doing two years already. That's when I left your show. Man, like, and you know what it is? It's you think, okay, well, I'll get to Friday, and once I get to Friday, everything's fine. And then no, like that's not what ends up happening ever. You never get the sleep that you were expecting to get on Friday. Something always comes up, and it can be the smallest thing. It can be. Amazon delivering something like maybe maybe you get like you're like okay I got 30 minutes I'm gonna get to sleep and then 10 minutes in someone rings the doorbell or whatever it is that messes up your sleep cycle phone goes off and I've got to use that as my alarm and 
I don't want to come off like I'm complaining. Like we have great jobs. We do. We're so lucky. And there are a lot of people busting their ass just trying to get their foot in the door, which is impossible in 2019. At least it feels that way with no internships. And it's just tough out there. And I understand why so many people end up quitting this business at a very young age because you can't even earn a paycheck. It's so difficult. But, yeah, the hard part for me is, well, I have to decide, okay, Am I going to go to bed earlier and catch up on everything in the morning and I'm waking up 2.15, 2.30, going through everything, watching some stuff? Or do I stay up late and give up on sleep and try to get some of that work done at night before I go to bed, which is always, always the wrong decision? But during bear season, Sunday night football, Monday night football, if the Bears are playing on a Thursday ever, something like that, you can't. You don't have an option. You have to watch the entire Bears game. A hundred percent. You have to see everything, but and the post game. I, I have, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I have become a fan of watching the truncated stuff. Like that's one of the things yeah. that I've allowed myself to do. Like I'm not watching every White Sox game for four hours a night, especially when you have the option of watching the entire game in 15 minutes. You think I don't know about that? Doing hit and run, dude. Like. Because then you're working seven days a week. Like, you, at some point, you've got to give your family some time on a Saturday afternoon on your only day off of the week. You have to, out of necessity. I've just <laughs> realized that as a station, we've completely given up, given up on the Blackhawks, which surprised me a little bit. Now, do you have to watch every game right now, the Blackhawks, especially if they're heading out west? No, you don't. But we're not even putting highlights into the vault right now. That's where they stand. So do you? if we're not even collecting highlights, do you really have to follow everything Blackhawks when we're back to how it used to be and they're a rumor right now? Yeah, if you we're, look at the we're TV back ratings, to like 2008 Blackhawks coverage on the score. Yeah. And maybe less than that because at least in 2008, we had someone going to the games. You know, we don't do it anymore. So now we don't. I. I don't think so. I don't think we have anyone going well, on a Well, if we're not pulling a basis. highlight off TV, we're definitely not sending somebody yeah. there. But I remember that one of the things I do miss about the way things used to be on radio, I do remi- I do miss us using reporters to do what we used to call raps. That I agree. I, I, I could use those in the morning. Yeah, I, I actually do think that it would be valuable for you, but also for the rest of the day. And you and I have talked about this via text and in person. Like, I feel like the getting rid of updates throughout the day is a mistake. I, I think it's I, I think now after having some time over a year to kind of really assess what what it does for a radio station, I think it's a mistake. And, and where I mean it's a mistake is in the the agenda setting aspect of the day. Now, the good thing is, is that you're still here in the morning. I'm the last one. I'm the only update anchor at the score. You are. you are. Wow. How about that? How about that? Is your, well, it's been like that for a long time. On your resume that you are the last update anchor. I don't think that's a positive thing at all. I don't either. But I'm saying it's a cool little footnote to, to your career. But what, what I don't like yeah, about I'm one it. one step away from being gone. Well, you're not, you're not going <laughs> to go anywhere because you keep branching out, which is one of the things that we'll talk about. But I, I do think that. What it gave was it gave our station a different sound and it allowed us to focus in on what the stories of the day were going to be. And 
it allowed each host to have a jump off point outside of their own. Like, especially if news breaks, the 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 job of the the producer becomes a lot harder because they have to give the story to the host and figure out how to interpret the story where I think not everyone is necessarily qualified to to do that. And I don't mean that as a diss. I just mean that before you had, you know, whether it was David Schuster or George Offman or Fred Eubner, actual journalists who had been out in the field who were like, okay, this is what's happening and I'll follow up on this. I'll make a phone call. I'll check in and here's what my people are telling me versus now like we well, get what we get. We get what we get. Yeah. Bottom line. It's interesting. So as a station, are you making the decision to serve your demo only, which is men 25 to 54? Sorry. Those are the facts. Those are the numbers that are used by our sales staff. Those are the numbers that are used when you read articles about the ratings that are pulled. Usually, usually when you're when you're trying to impress somebody, those are the best numbers that you're going to draw. Men 25 to 54. And that seems to be everybody's focus. Do men 25 to 54 need updates? Uh, not so much. I think to serve everybody, though, if you're looking to serve everybody, I think you should have updates. We have a lot of listeners. I, we get caught up in this Twitter world, and we assume that everybody listening is on Twitter. They're not. A lot of them find out stuff sometimes over a day after. I've heard I've received complaints from some people because I stopped giving scores from the previous day or the previous night at 10 a.m. But people have different schedules and not everybody lives on their phone looking up every little detail of what's going on in the world and what's going on in sports. And it's in TV, too. They don't have updates on TV anymore either. I'm talking about those update shows. We couldn't even find the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy press conference on television yesterday. So where do we get it? I don't know how most people consumed it. Some listened to it live on the score, and some probably found it later on the Bears' website. I had to go to the Bears' Periscope to consume it, and it's something I had to watch for my job. That's amazing, but not surprising at all. But I I agree with you that we think that everyone is constantly looking at their phones or has the widgets on their phones telling them about their favorite team and – but that's different Just because dad can text doesn't mean he knows exactly where to go. Right. And and if if you're getting in your car and you're listening and you're hearing people, people obviously, like, they know what happened in the Bears game. But what they might not understand is how did it affect the, the participants, where that's another issue where updates to me are really important. You know how I feel about sound. I think that it's really important for what we do. And, yes, the sound of my voice is a big deal. Like, that people care about my opinion or whatever. But there's a value to hearing what Matt Nagy said, hearing it from him, not interpreted through me, the, the difference between primary and secondary sources on this, that, that to me is valuable, where sometimes I'd be in press conferences and I would know the answer to the question that I was going to ask Lovey Smith or, or whomever, there's a difference between me saying it versus them saying it. There's a credibility issue that goes along with this. So I think that we miss out on not being able to share some of the actualities 
um, throughout the day. And how many times did it happen when you were a producer full time or even when I was a producer full time where a host may hear something that they did not hear before or hear it in a context that they did not hear it before? And it gives them a completely different way to to um, to, to frame their next discussion or argument with the audience. It's funny so a lot of times we feel that if you play an audio clip in your show, well, we can't play it again. Well, why not? Why not? People are constantly just moving around the dial. They're missing stuff all the time. It's impossible to know everything that is going on. And you're right. Uh, actualities, for people that don't know, that's just sound. Some of the postgame sound that you hear in the locker room or Matt Nagy at the podium and Ryan Pace yesterday talking too – and also, right, like reading a quote from Matt Nagy on Monday, very different than seeing his body language and how pissed he was at Cody Parkey and how pissed he is every time he gets the Tariq Cohen question. Mm-hmm. And he should keep getting it because so far we have two games and we have two games where the great head coach of the year, everybody wants to tell me, the untouchable Matt Nagy has botched it. And he has gone conservative against what he's done in both regular seasons as a play caller. Be you. Well, you're not you. Apparently, he's give him a Snickers bar. Wow, you don't know me very well. Okay. Well, we we I've do. got two game sample sizes of the games that really matter. That and, really matter. And in those games, he wasn't you. So I, I, I do wonder if we're, if we've moved so quickly into. The digital era, and I get it, we're in an analog medium in a digital era, that maybe we need to rethink this, that that we need to rethink the idea of the update. And my whole thing was, I get it, you don't want to take away from the people on air, and you think that that's what people tune in for, and they don't necessarily tune in for updates, but I do think that it enhances the product. We haven't figured it out. I, that's That to me that's is the clear. right answer. That's clear. Like I've listened around the country and some places that still do it, what they'll do is quick headlines. I think that's good. Hitting on what, what's important. Do you need to give every score around the different leagues? No. No, no. who cares about that? that? That's easy to find if that's what you're looking for because the old argument was always the gamblers. Well, I got news for you. I'm a gambler. And I don't need sports updates on the radio to find out if I won or lost my bet. Because the first thing I do when I wake up, if I fall asleep before the game is over, I'm checking my phone, I'm going to the internet, I'm running to the television. You're doing that before you go brush your teeth or take a shower or get dressed. I'm finding out, (laughs) is my bankroll going to be up or down? I'm not going to sit around the house, make breakfast, get dressed, get in the shower, send the kids off to school, kiss the wife. And then when I get in the car... I'm going to li- listen at the top or bottom of the hour, then find out if I won my bet. That's not happening. When was the first bet that you placed? Can you remember? <sighs> I remember when I fell in love with sports betting. Okay. And I think people do it when they win something big, right? That's why people go back to Vegas, beginner's luck. I think that's – it feels like that's real. I mean, have you talked to someone that went to Vegas and they just lost everything? It doesn't usually happen. You have some sort of a luck. Yeah, luck, there, it feels you, like you won forty bucks on a slot machine, or you you play blackjack for the first time and you won a hundred dollars or roulette, right? Whatever. Like you you played your favorite number on roulette and you won, and you you think that every time that 
at some point, that's going to get you back. Yeah, it gets you back in. I don't know how it happens. 1992 NFL season. I was telling my dad all year, I said, listen, this Cowboys team, I know everybody's talking about the 49ers, and they were clearly the two best teams in the NFC. There's no question this Cowboys team is winning the Super Bowl. We know that they went on to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Dave wants it as defensive coordinator, future Bears head coach. So when the playoffs were starting, my dad went to an auction with a bunch of his friends. And I guess what you do, I, I just took his word for it. I don't know where the hell they went. Maybe they went to a strip club. I have no idea. But he said, so you have your, your playoff teams. You put them on a board. And it was like a silent auction for the most part. And on the board, say, here's Cowboys, right? You can bid on the Cowboys. What you do is you're there to buy. All the teams get bought up. And he bought a few teams. And when he left, I said, Dad, buy the Cowboys. I don't care how much it takes. You have to buy the Cowboys. Because then the winner of the Super Bowl, if you own that team, you win the whole pool of money. So he did buy the Cowboys. So that was big when they won the Super Bowl. And that was the Michael Jackson halftime show, if you remember. At that Super Bowl party that we went to with a bunch of his friends, which was a blast. I miss those days. There was, there was also, you know, you have squares, all that kind of stuff at the Super Bowl parties. One of the things going on was there was a total points pool. You just guess the total points, put on a piece of paper, throw it in a bowl. So my dad gave me some money to play, and I picked by far the highest number. It was in the 60s, and I think the Cowboys won 52-17 to 17 that game. And so I won all the money for that. I was so happy. I mean, just what a great Super Bowl. Do you know how much it was? Remember how much it was? You know, I thought it was a lot, but it probably was. And maybe, you know, 100 bucks or something like so that. What? Just a few bucks to get in. Every- how old were you? 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> 100 bucks for a, to a 12-year-old? Yeah. That's all the money in the world exactly. to a 12-year-old. It, pretty much, yeah, before you're allowed to work. So that I remember as a big sports betting moment young and younger in my life. And I've always been fascinated with the numbers. Like when I would listen to Murph as a kid, they would have the guys on from stats and they would run the fantasy leagues and they would send you standings and all the stats once a week through the mail. I I would do that. I remember when me and a few friends in high school would run an NBA fantasy league (laughs) and we would keep high school in high school. Yeah. And we would keep the the numbers like he would spend the whole weekend. My friend Matt Kemp would spend the whole weekend trying to catch up, going through everybody's rosters, and just by hand, keeping tally. So, I mean, in fantasy and gambling, to me, it's all the same. So that's when I really started getting into fantasy football. So, I mean, that's the first really big memory that I have. Did you think that we'd get here as quickly as we've gotten here? Like, in the last five years, <laughs> and, and I remember you talking about this. You know, you'd be like, hey, we have to keep – we have to keep a watch on how sports gambling is going to affect the NFL and NBA and what their reaction is going to be and what happens in the state legislature. But did you think that we would we would, the door would open up and people would run wide through it? Because now it's changed. It, it's, it's created a new wing of the sports radio medium, number one, and television. It's changed how heritage franchises, whether it's – ESPN or Fox Sports or newspapers view games. I'm I am shocked as someone who is not really a sports better. I'm shocked and and happy 
by how things have changed so quickly with sports betting. Yeah, sometimes I have to check myself because I, I, I'm like, why aren't we doing more of this? Everybody else is doing more of this. Why aren't we? Why are we behind this? Why are we waiting to react? But then I go back a year. Where were we? Go back 18 months. Where were we in this? And just the explosion. I don't know if you noticed it. And maybe it was different for me because I was immersed in sports betting, especially this past football season. I've got like 15 jobs. It's just spinning plates, just trying to get to the end of the season. But did you notice how sports betting just did 15 laps around fantasy football as far as interest? Like I, I follow a lot of fantasy football people, a lot of different analysts, because I was hosting a fantasy show here for a few years, and, and I always really liked it. And I still do, but not as much. But the coverage, it feels like a hundred times sports betting just zoomed past fantasy football. And fantasy football is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I still do that. And I'll check my lineup once a week. I remember when ESPN does their ridiculous, you know, 24 hours of fantasy where it's like all the skits and all the. And I remember going, that's adorable. Like, I remember like in my mind going, that's adorable that they're they're doing the whole like fantasy thing. When what you're saying is absolutely correct, that not that we moved on necessarily from I think a lot fantasy. Of people have I quit a bunch of leagues? It just feels like fantasy is more personal, and maybe that because yes. of the roots in the the rotisserie leagues, and it's everyone in someone's basement. And you're writing out who your picks are and that sort of thing. I'm hanging on to the leagues that I've done like for ten years. Right, right, right. That's it. I I have no interest in joining any new fantasy league. It's not growing, but. You're right that it has lapped it. One of the things I've always appreciated about you is when it comes to your coverage of sports betting, and I don't mean you, you know, I think I dubbed you like our sports betting reporter because you actually knew what was going on in the industry at a level that no one else could explain on the air. But when it comes to your actual game analysis, that's what I think it is. To me, it's it's game analysis, and then here's the betting aspect of it. But you're breaking down the games. And when I used to listen to the podcast, I, was, I remember I was out for a run listening to a, a couple episodes of Early Odds. And I was laughing. Like, I had to stop running because I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> you know, Joe's just out here with other degenerates just talking about football. I think I know which episode you're talking about. Maybe 44 and 45 or so. And I No, was, Will Brinson. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Y- yes. That episode, I was like, oh, my. Th- this is but it guy. was normal to me. And to him. Because I know Will a little bit. Yeah. I, I meet up with him like once a year in Vegas. He's out of his mind. He's hilarious. He's crazy. And he's a complete degen, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. Was he? Was it? Was it Will that was saying that he had – he had bet odds on the first game of the season, like the Thursday night opener, and yes. he bet it in like March yes. or something like that. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. But, but I <laughs> I love that that what you've done is that you've taken you've taken sports betting from behind the the dark alley, which the I shadows. think yeah. Because I think a lot of guys early on when they were talking sports betting, like that's the way that they were talking about it. Your bookie and the VIG and all of this stuff. And you're like, no, here's the game. This is what I'm looking at. How did you develop that? Wow. I don't – how did I develop it? I don't know. Um, My knowledge is – 
very different than, say, five years ago. I've learned a lot more just by having conversations. So on my podcast every week, I talk to a bookmaker every single week, Aaron Kessler. This past week, getting ready for the divisional round, I my picks sucked, but I talked to three different bookmakers out in Vegas. I talked to one for my podcast. I talked to, to another one for my show on the score that runs Saturday mornings. And I talked to another one for my article in The Athletic previewing the four games. I just feel like I've just the connections have really helped and just hearing the process and statistics that people look at and just what matters and what doesn't. I think the people trying to branch into sports betting, they know it's important. They should try to work it into their shows. And it's just comical to me because they don't know what they're talking about or they'll say things like Vegas knows. No, Vegas doesn't know the market shaped that number. That wasn't Vegas predicting what the score was going to be. It's all about the market. It isn't them making a prediction of, okay, this team's going to score this many points. This team's going to score this many points. It's about where the money's going to go. So they put the number in a certain spot and they'll let the market decide where it should run. And then the the number will move. Yeah, based on money. Hmm. Okay. But but still, I still say that this was one of – I remember me and Fred Eubner had this conversation – a long time ago about fantasy football, the idea of, well, no one wants to to hear fantasy football. And my feeling was always, if you marry it to actual in-game discussion, I think that there is a bigger umbrella of people who can appreciate it. Yes, people want to call in and get their picks from charge. Fine. Do whatever you want. I think it sucks. I agree with you. I think it's terrible. And I know that we've dabbled in it as a show when you were producing it. But but one of the goals was I want to talk about the game. I want to talk about that player in context of the game. And if you're able to do that, the best people that are talking fantasy or talking sports betting are the ones who are able to marry that with, with the type of analysis that people already have in their mind for how sports radio or sports television works it's to me it's the worst when it's like because the truth is no one cares about your fantasy team and what are the chances that me as a listener you're going to happen to land on the exact conundrum that i have should i start this guy or that guy right Right. so so why not make it a a broader view why is that such a struggle whether it's on the fantasy side or on the sports betting side? When I did my fantasy show for three years on Sunday morning, and I gave it up this past season, and I was glad I did because it allowed me to have the time to completely focus on sports betting, and it opened up other avenues for me. The greatest compliment I would receive from people from time to time was, I don't give a shit about fantasy, but I love your show. Because I end up learning a lot about the league. That's what it's all about. If you're able to push it to the side that it's fantasy football conversation or it's gambling conversation, sports betting conversation, able to push that aside and listen to what's being said, you'll find some of the smartest people covering the NFL or paying attention to what's happening in the NFL. Coaching decisions late in games, they're usually sports bettors when when it comes down to it. It's fascinating to me. Some of the smartest people out there, that's exactly what they do. Why? 
because their living is based on getting it right. And so in their analysis, they need the coach to be doing what they should be doing, right? But that's part of it. If you bet on Jason Garrett, you're betting on that. You're going you're gonna to back that coach. You're betting on his tendencies. You're, you're betting on what it is that he does in particular situations. You want to bet on Mitch Trubisky on the road? Go ahead. It's going to be dicey at times. There might be a half where it's going to be rough. But in the start of the season, he was great in the first half with the scripted plays. Just you, you want to bet on him when he's at home. You end up learning a lot more than you would expect because you just take a deeper dive instead of saying the generic stuff that, that you see all over television or you hear some sports radios people mention. Is there anything or any sport of the of the majors that you'll stay away from? Or is it just a matter of you haven't come to a level of knowledge inside those sports to feel confident about betting them? Uh, you're talking about the four major sports? I, I, did I say five? Four. I think I, I threw five in there. Okay. Soccer? Um, I bet the World Cup this past year. That was awesome, though, because I was up so early. All the games were on. It, it was a lot of fun. No, I don't think there's a game where I say, there's a sport where I say I'm going to step away from. I've been betting hockey lately. Because get out of town. <laughs> Come on. Really? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I've just been riding this train because I had a guy on my show this past week and he was on it over a month ago. The first period overs in hockey, everywhere you look, it is set at one and a half goals, no matter what the teams are, what situation they're coming off of. The Blackhawks just finished up a run of going over one and a half goals in the first period in 22 of 24 games. Uh, the guys at Odd Shark did some homework on this. There's like a group of five teams in the NHL right now that are going over the total total in the first period 80% of the time so far this season. So I've just been monitoring that and going through that a little bit. I haven't done as much NBA because I'm not able to stay up and watch it. Mm. And the, the other thing that I learned when I was playing a lot of Daily Fantasy, the challenging part about the NBA is the late-minute scratches, and you will get screwed so many times because they don't need to announce anything an hour and a half before the game like you do in the NFL. It could happen two minutes before tip-off. You'll find out that somebody's not playing or somebody's get, getting scratched. And, and now they have more off days in between. It isn't as bad as it used to be. But I end up staying away a lot from the NBA so far. I want to talk about Hit and Run for a second. I love that show. And Barry Rosner was on, and his episode did really well, as one can imagine. I I thought at the time, and again, no diss, because I'm including myself in this, I thought at the time that you guys had the best show on the score. What time? Oh, this past season? Yeah. Okay. I thought I, I – Honestly, I would say over the last couple of years, like I, I felt like you guys were so in sync with each other that it was appointment listening. And you know me, like I'm listening all the time, no matter what. But no matter where I was on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., I wanted to hear what you and Barry were doing, how you were going to incorporate messing with Eli, how, how Barry was not going to break on time. Like, all of this stuff that you guys are going to do, I always look forward to that first hour of the show, and particularly the first segment, because it usually ran 28 minutes, which is crazy. 
Um, because we had no guests? Is that part of the reason? Yeah, I actually prefer hearing you guys when you didn't have guests. Yeah. Now, when you had a great guest on, I I always enjoyed that or like someone that Barry had a connection with. I always liked those interviews. But that show to me was a really good example of what sports radio should be. So was there any development of that or was it – here are two guys who like each other that are in a room. Go. Yeah, I'd say the latter. That's it. It's hard for me to accept that compliment because right now, God, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. And part of it is my life. Like, I'm walking around like a zombie later in the week. And, you know, I've got a bunch of jobs, especially during the football season. There is no such thing as appointment listening for me. And, if something's great, I will catch up with it in podcasts when I have time. So that is such an immense compliment coming from you. I, I mean, I, I wanted to, to experience it because, and partially because, like, I know you guys so well, and like, I could tell, like, I could, I could see Eli, like, even as I'm walking across Hyde Park, no, what, I could see Eli. What I wish you in could see. What I wish you could see. What I wish you could see or hear is the conversations before the on button is pressed. That's what I wish because I <laughs> – so the show would start at 9. I found a way to get mad at Eli legit pissed every Sunday at 8.58. <laughs> and sometimes I was just fucking around. But, like, I would be screaming at him. Just screaming. <laughs> and then Barry is just laughing. And this sometimes Barry would say, All right, Joe, I think uh I think we should lay off for a little bit. And then he would start going in, of course. But there's nothing planned. Method to the madness. I don't know. We walk in on Sunday mornings, we watched what happened yesterday. We're paying attention to baseball all the time. We press on and we go. Like sometimes I'll mention to him at 845, be like, hey the hell are we going to do today? I don't know. Or I'll say that, oh, yeah, what do, we, what do you want to start with? And then we'll look at each other and just start laughing. Like, whatever happens, happens. Each of us are prepared. That's We the, are 100% prepared. That is we the watched key. everything. We know everything going on. And neither of us are going to put each other in a position where we're going to embarrass each other. And just throw something off again, out of nowhere. Throw something at the other person, and where they're not prepared. We're always prepared. We just don't know what's going to happen once the show starts. We've developed a very close friendship. We get along. Um, what do you mean by what radio used to be? I mean, here's what I know: what it should be. What- I, we just have fun. That that's all it comes down to. And I think a lot of people. Not that I'm the best. But I'm just saying that a lot of people complicate things and need to plan out every little word that's going to be spoken or every little bit, every little segment. I, as a listener, I want to hear people having fun. It's not about pounding the table and screaming about somebody getting fired anymore and needing that pound of flesh. When I listen to a show, whether it's a podcast, radio show, I'm there to be entertained. I want to laugh. I want to learn a little bit. And I don't think 
that's too difficult. And I think that's what most people want. They're trying to get away from all the other crap going on in their life and some of the serious stuff. I mean, you're not turning on sports radio or a sports podcast because you want to get into the deep stuff too many times, I don't think. And now sometimes it comes into sports and, there and you have to deep address dive. It. There are some deep dive podcasts that, like, if you really want, like, yeah. if you really want to do X and O football, there, there are places for you to go. There are plenty of places that can, but I think that you're right. I think philosophically, it, it's a, it's a change. I don't know if it happens when you mature as a host and, I, I know from my own experience that early on it's, you know, everything is angry. Like Same. You know, they, they, everything sucks, and you're trying <laughs> to, to rage against the machine. Holy rocker. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pirates, man. Um, so you, you're, you're doing all of that, and I, I think that there was, a, there was just a point where I'm like, I'm not that angry. Like, in my, in my regular life, I'm not angry, so why is that yeah. the crux of the show? Now, because we saw successful people doing that. Well, I will tell you, though, like, I know that I've been, even though I was, I've been sick, I'm, I can't wait to get on the air to talk about the Bulls. But to me, and I've, I've made the analogy before, it's like having a driver in your bag. You don't pull the driver out all the time. You you keep it in 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 your bag for the shot where you need to use the driver. John Fox, hell right. yeah, Kenny Williams sometimes, occasionally yes. <laughs> that, that that driver has to come out, and there are things I want to say. And now yeah. the, now John Paxson, occasionally that driver has to come out. But you're right, like the the whole idea of sports radio having to be this, the caricature of a sports radio host offends me. It really, truly offends me. Sometimes it makes you look in the mirror and say, what, what am I doing? That's am what I the that? world thinks I am. Right. Yeah. Am, am I that? And I I hope that I'm not all that. I, I mean, look, there is proof. How do I contribute to society? Of, what am I doing? Right. There's proof of, of moments when I have been that. But I do think you're right. When we were coming up in sports radio, it was the loudest, hottest take was the person who got the most money, mm-hmm. that got the most prestige, and I, I there are still elements of that. Like if you look at the at the highest level of the art, that is still what's happening. I, and some people are clearly still looking for that, right? They are, but most people now laugh at that and rip on them. I mean, the France, the Funhouse Twitter account is one of the greatest things ever, ever. But yeah, I mean. There's an audience that still wants that. There is. Just look at the numbers. Why do you but think they want it? They make the high salaries. Like, I, I mean, we can name names because I, we yeah. can talk about Stephen all, A. Smith. We all know who we're talking about. Like Stephen A., and I think Lebitard is right about this. Stephen A. has gone full-blown wrestling heel. Yeah. And I actually prefer it. when, Like the stuff he's doing in Dallas, that's <laughs> funny to me. Right. Like, Because he knows that it's theater. And I know that it's theater, and the people in Dallas probably know it's theater. That's fun. But when some of the stuff, like, I I was joking about how he must have an incredible ear, nose, and throat guy. Because how can one, for two hours a day on radio, occasionally I'll be watching Levitard and, and leave the house and come back and Stephen A. Smith show is, is on, and he's screaming. And I'm like, how can you do that? Every single day. So how do we strike the balance? 
And I'm glad that some of these blowhards are being talked down or getting ripped on and some of their hot takes are being brought back. The freezing cold takes account is just phenomenal. I've gotten to know Fred a little bit. He's a really cool guy. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. He's a really cool dude. Um, But here's the other thing, which has frustrated both of us, too. So have we pushed too hard against it, right? Because now people are coming at you if you share an opinion. If you have a hard opinion about anything and you're just speaking your mind, which is still what this is built on. It's an opinion business. Sometimes I listen to shows and I hear people wishy-washy about everything and they're scared to share an opinion. Why? Is it because of the franchise that airs on your station, whether it's TV or radio? What's the reason? What's going on behind the scenes there? I always wonder about that. And there are plenty of cases out there for that. But yeah, now it's but now it's gotten to a point in 2019. Some people are going to be offended no matter what you say. And it just feels sometimes like you can't say anything about anybody. Oh, how dare you criticize Mitchell Trubisky? What is wrong with you? You're just a hot take artist. It's like, Jesus, this is still sports radio, and we're hanging out talking sports. Am I allowed to have an opinion without you freaking out? So you just have to push that noise to the side. Trying to find that balance is difficult. But that's why I I, I offer the, oppor- the the analogy of the golf club. Like, I don't I don't use the driver all the time. So if I use it, know that it's coming from a place of I think something is worth me getting irritated. Like I, I, I've allowed it to rise to the level of I'm bringing it to the air because it really bothers me. The rest of the stuff, I'm kind of, I'm with you. Like we can discuss it and, and we should be able to look at it from multiple angles and wherever it is you fit in on the spectrum is wherever it is you fit in. But as, as small of a thing as the Bulls with their, their contract thing that they did with Jim Boylan, it's infuriating. And I get it. it. It's more of a procedural thing. It's not the point. The point is, is that they continue to like co-sign all of this badness that is around them. And one of the things that I, I have valued about being, being at the score and as I, one of the last keepers of the light uh, of the score I've always valued that, for the most part, as an entity, we have not been afraid to say how we feel about even our partners. And I think it should be that way, that we shouldn't be afraid. I've stared John Paxson in the face. I know he hates me. I I don't hate him, but I know he hates me. I know how Lovey Smith felt about me, and we have since kind of mended that fence. But they should be a little bit afraid of us. They should be because we should have enough sway with the public. The, the public should feel like we have their best interest as a fan base at heart, that we are going to speak truth to power. I don't feel comfortable speaking with that for everyone. When I say we, I don't know everybody's intentions. And I'm talking about in this building. I don't know the relationships that people have with members of front office or coaching staffs. So, I mean, I, I don't know what conversation even you are having outside of here. Now, I, I know you're going to give the real, you're going to give your strong opinions and tell the truth about things. 
but I hesitate to say we because I. But I, I get what you're saying. That's fair. I, I think back to all the years that we carried the White Sox. We didn't hold back against the White Sox. Something's going on with Addison Russell. We're not holding back against the Cubs. We don't like something Joe Madden does. We're not holding back. We criticized Theo Epstein even, even after he brought a World Series trophy here. So I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But more now than ever, a lot of people have a lot more power than ever before. Why? Because play-by-play is the most valuable property in radio right now. We're, we're in this space. We've had this conversation countless amount of times. I think radio knows what it wants to be or what it's going to be in two years. Like, I, I'm actually, yeah, now I'm past the midway point. I'm now on the back end of the demo, as scary as that is to say out loud. And my listening habits have completely flipped. I listened to the station starting in day one. And throughout the first 10, 12 years that I started working here, I listen every single day, every single day. Now I'm here doing updates. I'm listening seven hours no matter what. So technically you're listening. but Yeah, but when I'm not here, I'm not really listening because – so you like hit and run. You know what you're going to get. You're, you're going to get some fun and you're going to get baseball conversation. I wonder in the future if it's ever going to be that where it's just a lot of specialty programming because you know what you're going to get. I listen to so many podcasts because in my mind, okay, I want to hear some Bears conversation right now. I'll listen to an interview on the score with a Bears guest. I'll listen to a Bears podcast. Or I want to hear just some MLB conversation. Okay, I'm going to check out Buster Olney's podcast. Oh, yeah, I saw he tweeted out this guest. I think they're great. I want to hear what he had to say about this big issue going on with baseball, or what Rob Manfred had to say. I wonder if we're going to get closer and closer to specialty programming. So how would that work in the model that is a typical major market sports radio I just station? know that myself— I don't care about everything Chicago sports. And it, I think it's more ch- more challenging now than ever before to hold that listener. So, yes, you want to bounce around. You don't want to be boring. But you also want to play the hits. But how do you hold that listener throughout an entire show? What's the right thing? Do you talk about one specific thing as long as you can and they're interested? The time spent listening is going to increase? I don't have the answers. I just know as, as a guy that's God, almost 40 years old, I don't listen to live radio. I don't. I listen to podcasts because I know what I want to hear, and I don't have many much free time in my life. So th- those 15 minutes, those 10 minutes here and there, I want to get something out of it, whether it's entertainment, information, whatever. So now that you've had some time away from producing, if you were thrust back into producing a show— what what advice would you give your host on how to approach a subject? I'd say I'm going to do something else. <laughs> I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back. As these hours are rough. There's no way, no way I'd go back. You couldn't do it? No. I think about, like, there are shows that I or segments that yeah, I, I would like to produce. Segments, exactly. Segments. For a day. Yeah, you know, you go in, you, you go, maybe maybe, maybe the, the proper word, all right, let me and rephrase. And I'm not even talking about the money factor either. Which is bad, but let me rephrase. Wait, yes. If you were asked to be a consultant. Oh, that would be awesome. On a sports radio network of locals. What a gig. 
it's out there. I mean, you could create that gig. Honestly, you could. No, I've kind of figured out during this explosion what I want to do. Okay, which is good. Which will which will get to you momentarily. What would you suggest for programmers on how they they put a lineup together or how a show should be run in a major in a in a major market that has NFL, MLB, NBA? Like, what's the approach? Because I've been trying to tinker and tailor my approaches. Some about specific shows or putting a lineup together? What are you, just all of everything? It. Yeah, because because to me, I am now all about the TSL. That's all I care about. Okay, so how do you increase that? By trying to, one, if it's an interview, like I, I, I mean, I know that Mitch will probably hear this because he listens to the House of L podcast. Uh-oh, I better be careful. But I don't care about the clock anymore. I don't care. If mm. I have a great guest, I am not going to shut my guest up because we're supposed to break at 15. I'm not. I'll try to adhere to it as much as possible. By the way, nobody here breaks on time, so I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, but I mean, you, Joe, you know what we were doing. We were taking that first segment in an hour and going to 25. Yeah. you know, And, and I think that that's the way that makes for an easier tease. That if if you if you squeeze everything out of the lemon, and and then you're like, oh yeah, there's another thing. We're gonna do this when we come back. We appreciate that you've listened for the last 22 minutes. We're gonna do this when we come back. That to me is an easier tease than breaking at 15 and being like, okay, we're gonna set up this next thing, and then we're gonna break at 28 or whatever it is. You're asking the audience to do less by having longer segments. Them sticking with you, I think, is easier through a longer segment than commercial, than commercial here, strategically placed because of how we are manipulating the rating system. I, I just feel like right. that, that the TSL is the way to go. If you've got something good, roll with it and don't worry about what else is going on. Yeah, I, I think that's most important. See, that that's a skill, right? Trying to figure out, understanding when something's hot, when you're having a great conversation. So in the old days, how do we do that? An archaic way. We judged it by the phone lines. That is idiotic. We judged it by people that have enough time in their day to sit on hold for 45 minutes. And back when I first started producing for Mike North, Guys would sit there for hours. They they made hours. a game of it. So they're North North would have yes. people on hold for whole shows. Yes. So now they're programming the lowest common denominator. Sorry if you're a caller. No offense, but we, the numbers in the studies show us one to three percent ever even call sports radio. Now they're programming our radio station. The last thing that you should do is cater to a caller. Oh, I, as, as a producer, something that would grind my gears would be just <laughs> teasing a caller in the next segment or, oh, we, we got to get to these calls. See if that guest can do it in 20 minutes because we've got all these calls. We, we need this hot conversation going in. Usually the payoff was not there. I'm not anti-call, but don't change your show based on the calls. I think hosts need to do a better job of understanding when you have something good going on. And we should take this segment that we have written down in front of us on on our schedule here and just throw that out the window. 
are pushing back a guest. And just, just, you know when you're having a good show, or at least you should. What kind of host are you if you're not? I, I think the level of the producer is lower than I've ever seen, and most don't care. Why is just that? Just trying to get through. There isn't passion for this business, I don't think, anymore. Do you see it out of youngsters? You would know more than me because you're a teacher and you talk to people that want to get into this business. I don't see it at all. I think that part of it is that there's now the ability to jump steps. And I think that that's both positive and negative. That now, well, I already have my own podcast. I'm already a star to the 200 people or <laughs> 500 people that I – I do a podcast for it. Yeah. And then you get into a situation where you're you're brought in to work at a TV station or a radio station. It's like, well, why am I sitting behind Lawrence? Like, I'm better than him already. The truth is you're probably not. Maybe you will be, but you're probably not right now better than me at this. And then there's there isn't the – people don't take enough pride in the artistry of producing and and I would get I get mad at people now your name's on the show like yeah I'm the host but your name I'm saying your name all the time they know that you're the executive producer of the show or they know that you're in charge of the sound why wouldn't you then want that to be the best show you know what ticks me off more than anything see now you're bringing me back to that my producing days and yeah you get away from it for a couple of years and you forget and I'll get mad if I walk in on a different show that I'm not even working on. And I'll hear, score, what's your name? Oh, that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. That pisses me off. There is, there's no training, right? There's no training. And I've talked to Shane about that, and, and he's well aware of that. People get, So now we mentioned briefly early, earlier how there aren't internships. So now you have to hire people and you don't even know if they're good at the job. If they interview all right, then I guess you get a job. That's what happens. Then you have to find out trial by fire if they're actually any good at it. And what I'm talking about, score hello score or score what's your name, is people, if you can make a phone call, you're getting on the air most of the time. And that's unfortunate because you don't even know what their angle is, if it's going to benefit the radio show in any way out of humor, intelligence, whatever. Why are they on the air? Because they're willing to make a phone call? No. Just because you call the score doesn't mean you automatically get put on the air. That that always pisses me off. And here, here's something else that pisses me off. So it's, easy, it's always easier to go with the negative. Guess to have a guess. Well, I've, I've got to have four or five guests. I have to. And so then now you're sacrificing your show you're sacrificing your audience to hit some stupid-ass quota. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I get it. You're not always going to hit 9s and 10s. So, well, I can book this guy if I text him right now. He'll come on. And he's kind of talking about an important subject. He's not great on the air. He's okay. So I'm going to throw in this 5. Well, you wanted to guess so bad, you just drove away your audience. Because that guy's phone sucks. And he's got nothing to say. Nothing. I think that's, that was one of the best things that you brought to my show was who can talk? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a really simple thing, but it gets overlooked all the time on sports radio. 
And I, I, in a past episode, I talked about like, yeah, it'd be cool to have Chris Bryant on the show. Great. But you know who might be better? Buster Olney might be better at talking about the ramifications of the the work stoppage that is going to happen in a couple years in Major League Baseball. That might be a better guess. Like, sure, you might get one good bite from Chris Bryant on the subject, but most of it is going to be cliched. It's one of the reasons why I love Barry Rosner as a guest is I know that I can go in a bunch of different directions if I want. I know that he has learned it in a lot of different subjects. And the subjects I, I, I'm bringing him on to talk about, he's prepared to actually have a conversation. And that's where, like, as far he's as— He's going to be engaged, right? first off. It, like, the interviewing aspect of it, I'm always trying to work and refine on my interviewing skills. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be a conversation. I don't—it it sounds stupid, but I don't want it to be Q&A. Obviously, you have to ask questions to get answers, but— You want to go down roads that you didn't plan. Correct. And it doesn't have to be press conference style. In a press conference, I have to have a well-worded question, and I got to get it out fast, and I got to get it out loud over other reporters. That shouldn't be the approach to most of your interviews. Now, I'm not saying that at some point there there aren't interviews where, like if I had John Paxson on now, I'm not, I don't want to have a conversation with John. I have to be a prosecutor because he will filibuster and he has done this. Yep. I, I Gar need, Foreman does the same thing. Correct. I need to get to the meat of the subject with him and I need him to know that it's not a game. Like everyone's not happy and smiling. But if I'm bringing a guest on on a particular subject, I, I want the information to be packaged in a great conversation. You know what I mean? Like it's in the end. It's about the listener. I So I always put myself in the car. What I would do is, okay, I'm listening to Lawrence Holmes. I'm driving home from work. It's been a long day. What do I want to hear? Okay, yeah, we can have some guests. Would be a good guest. Bob Nightingale breaks a ton of stories, right? Especially on the south side, Ken Williams. All the time. <laughs> All the time. And when, I, when there are conflicting reports and Bob Nightingale's on one side, I'm going to lean toward the Nightingale because I know exactly where it came from. And it usually isn't some BS because the source also doesn't want to embarrass Bob, too, in, in this situation. That's right. He's horrendous on the air. He's no value. He doesn't help us. We can read what he wrote. We can talk about his breaking story. It always sounds like a good idea. And, I'm you know, I'm being a dick to Bob, but... You know, we all know this. <laughs> like, there are conversations we have off the air about people, just people you don't, people you don't hear on the air. A lot of times you wonder, why aren't they on the air? Because they're not very good on the air. Yeah. That's usually the answer. And, and some of it is the technology, too. Like, it, it frustrates me still that cell signals are that terrible still. And, and I'm always worried about it when I'm a guest on another show, which part of the reason I love something I love about podcasts is I actually have better quality on my podcast because, you know, we have the landlines here. So on my podcast, I found this out maybe a year ago by being guest on another podcast. The sound quality you get from calling someone via FaceTime audio is fantastic. It's almost ISDN quality. I didn't know that. It's excellent. That's what I record. When I record at home, that's what I record all my interviews on. FaceTime audio. Most people have iPhones. Hmm. That's a good trick. 
Yeah. I mean, it'll break up once in a while, but it's better than the dicey cell phone. Oh, nothing. Ugh. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right. Yeah, so, nobody has landlines anymore. That's a problem. Let's talk about what you're doing and what you want to do next. Like you said, you figure something out. So what have you figured out? Well, it's funny. So when we first met years and years ago, if you would have asked me, what do you want to do with your career? I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I'd like to have a show. I think that's why a lot of people get into this business. But then I realized for a while that I wanted to be a programmer. That's kind of, I don't really want to anymore. You be good at it. I don't know where this is going. I don't think anybody knows where this is going. See, it's funny. We talk, I talk to people around the country that other day, talked to a friend I went to college with. He runs a sports radio station in another market. He put it perfectly, and I wish everyone would understand it. People need to get away, he told me, from the idea of these live shows and what's going on. These radio stations need to understand you're not a radio station anymore. You're an audio company. That made all the sense in the world to me because he's trying to find different voices to put on his station via podcast through his website. And that's the priority, not the live radio shows. The challenge, as always, is how do you monetize it? But anyways, you asked me what I want to do. Um, yeah, different times I wanted to be a host. I don't want to do that anymore. I mean, when I'm asked to host, I'm happy to do it. But frankly, I'm bored talking only Chicago sports all the time. So, and, so doesn't that just mean that you're there. a national host then? I guess. I mean, sports betting, national host. I mean, you've listened to my podcast. I'm talking NFL. I care more about the NFL. This is the NFL fascinates me. Uh, baseball, I don't know if it was the best for our show to do this, but how many times conversation I have with Barry, we end up branching about stuff going on elsewhere in baseball. But some people don't want to hear it. They don't. Um, I don't. I don't know if the job's out there yet. That's the thing. But I know it's going to be. We're going to have legalized sports betting in this state, I believe, in 2019. And more and more TV stations, radio stations, whatever, they're, they're branching out and covering sports betting. And a lot of them are failing at it miserably. They just don't know how to talk about it. And they aren't able to avoid pushing a lot of people away. I think we're, we're going to see some opportunities that pop up that aren't quite there yet, I would say, in the next couple of years, year-round, not just during football, because I think that that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's have our betting guy on. Let's talk sports betting, but we're only going to be doing it during football. Like, this is 365. Every week there is stuff to talk about. So a little over a year ago when I started my podcast, Early Odds for VEASAN, I was wondering, should I keep doing it after football? Then I decided to keep doing it. And then as I did it for 52 weeks, I realized it's nonstop. There's always something to talk about. There's a golf major coming up. There's MLB win totals that are released after football. Caesars released them this past week. Oh, look at the odds changing for the Super Bowl. Oh, this is their opinion of the Bears. These are the division odds that they have right now. Here's the Bulls win total. They have them as a bottom five. There's always something popping up. There's always something to talk about, especially in this landscape now where we have legalized gambling in more and more states. It feels like every month, I believe we're up to eight now. So I think I told you 
the day that PASPA was overturned, when I came in studio, that we would be around double digits by the end of the year. I was close. We got to eight. Another year, one to two years, it's going to be half of the country. Hmm. So there's going to be a lot more opportunities. And I think a lot of mediums are realizing this is going to be in the future uh, one of the few ways that we know that we'll be able to make money. Gamblers will spend money for good information, especially if you're able to package it in the right way. You always talk about uh, – I forgot what you call them. The guys that have the lines, the, you, you call them and they give you the picks. Oh, the um, – What do you call them? Oh, my God. Oh, the people that sell picks you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the uh, touts. Touts. So are those guys still going to be in business? Well, they are right now, right? For sure. We hear them. They're still out there. They're still they're still buying time on on sports yeah. radio. Do they go away? Does that is less and less. You, have you noticed that you see them less and less? Yes. Yeah. Because the, some it, of them went to jail though. Yeah, that's true too. Mm, it's a shame. Remember when you wake up on a Saturday Sunday morning and then you see see Chuck Kopic and the orange hair sitting there talking to one of those guys? Yes. Not surprising. As sports fans, we are more knowledgeable than ever before, right? It's just so much information out there. We're aware of what these teams are actually doing. If you want to look up anything, you can find it. A, a lot of the same information that some of these teams use. Sports bettors are more knowledgeable than ever before. Jig is up, okay? Some of these, quote, touts that are selling picks, first off, most of them lying about their winning percentage. And there are also these touts that that have weekly radio hits around the country. And some of them will always, I'm going on to Chicago. Okay, they're going to ask me about the Bears-Packers game. Going to give you the Bears side every single time. The audience won't be upset. Even if the Bears don't cover, they won't be as angry because they didn't pick against their team. Or I'm going on New York and I'm going in on L.A. Patriots-Chiefs. New York, I'm going to give the Patriots. L.A., I'm going to give the Chiefs. Half of the audience is going to be happy, so maybe I'll get some of them to call my 1-900 number. So now the whole industry, including VEASAN, has pushed against touts. Now now it's a bad thing to be a tout. Like When I look at guests to have on my podcast, I'm like, oh, he sells picks. Damn, he's a good talker. I think he knows what he's talking about. But I don't want to put him on because he sells picks. That that happens a lot, and I I try to avoid going down that road. It's not a good business to get into. Like what what I'm saying to you is, now you can make money being a sports betting analyst slash reporter without selling picks. The challenge is, there are a lot of people that only want picks. So. How do you balance that? That That's tough. Some people just want to know what your pick is in the end, and they don't give a damn about the process. I, I like to talk about the process and how I get there and why I'm on a certain side. You're always going to deal with people ripping you when you get a pick wrong, and that's okay. What those people don't know is if you go 55%, you're having a wonderful year. That's how tough it is to beat the house. A lot of professional sports bettors, their goal is to go on this, the year 52.5%. Mm. I mean, that's how tough this is. It's almost unheard of to go an entire NFL season doing 60%. Like Some of these guys that are winning these huge contests, 
that are going 70%. There's so much luck involved in that. That just isn't reality. So that's part of it when you listen to it to, to keep that in mind. So that I'm hearing for the process and what they're looking for. And you, you understand a lot of the time they're not going to be right. It's okay. It doesn't mean the process was wrong. It's it's hard to predict what's going to happen with a bat and a ball on a field with a fastball now flying in at 105 miles an hour. Joe, this was awesome, man. I appreciate this. Thank we, you. We'll have to do a part two. I mean, because there's so much stuff that we didn't cover. Like what? Fatherhood. We didn't really talk about. <laughs> you want to talk about fatherhood? Yeah, I like talking with, with guys about fatherhood and how it's changed them. It's clearly changed you. Don't you think? It, I don't have much self-reflection. I it's don't have time clear, for that. It's clearly changed. How? Give me an example. Because your priorities. Like, you used yeah, to be. Yeah, but do you know, how do you know what my priorities? Like, we, we don't see each other much. Because your priorities used to be like radio, 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 radio. Yeah. And now you're like, if it fits in to what's going on with Jack and Emma. Like, that's. Like, now it's from the moment Jack was born. Like, from the moment he was born, it changed you. I don't know why you can't see it, because I know I can see it. Well, I don't know if, yeah. So, that's interesting, because we worked for a couple years after my son's birth, right? And you noticed it right away. Yeah. And and not in a negative way. No, I know. Actually, in a really positive way. Yeah. I think that well, yeah, worrying less about my career. <laughs> I don't know. Is no, that positive? but that's but that's not what I mean. Yeah. If 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 I can play dime store psychologist for a minute, the level of focus that happened with you after Jack was born was amazing because <laughs> was and I you, focused on before you were you were focused on what we were doing on the show, but yeah. there was diff there was a difference. There was an edge. I don't know, and I've, I've heard Jason actually talk about this with his son, where it's it's like, I can't fail now. Like, if it's just you and the wife, if it's just you and Dawn, okay, you can fail, you you fall down, you wipe yourself off, and, and you get up and go. Mess around with the radio thing, yeah. And now, it's like, I cannot fail. There are people who are counting on me, and your level of focus about... Not just what was going on on our show. Like, that was never in question. But the focus on what you wanted. Like, just just what you explained. What you explained about what you want from your career. That is laser-focused. That is not, well, I'll be talking about betting. That's not what you said. What, what you said is you laid out and said, this is where the industry is going. This is what I think I can contribute. This is what I plan on doing. This is what I don't want to do anymore. You have eliminated a lot of stuff. Well, I hope when Mitch listens, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll take him off the air. Because I'm every morning I'm talking about Chicago sports. But, yeah, at times it does end up boring me. Um, it's funny when you bring that up because I always think back to this. God, I wish I remember who this conversation was with. So, you know, <laughs> for those that don't know, in radio, there's a lot of chit-chat going on. A lot. There's a lot of jealousy in this business. A lot of backbiting. People are fucking assholes so horrible people a lot of horrible people so when (laughs) when you run into brian peruke chris Tannehill, yourself it's rare to find good people in this business like genuine people okay so 
I got back after the paternity leave, after Jack's birth. I This always is in my mind for some reason, and I knew it flipped. I just didn't know if other people noticed. And they were complaining about not getting air shifts or somebody else. Well, why are they on the air? They suck, and wh- where's my time? You know, the usual crap. That always happens. You're never going to get rid of that. They kept going on and on to me about it. I guess I'm like a sounding board. Like when Brendan was our sports director, he was a big sounding board for a lot of people. People trust your opinion, Joe. Some people that were that are here a long time will come to me, for, especially now too, because I'm in this room by myself and we're recording in my update studio. So <laughs> people know that they can come in and, and just the door say is whatever. Yes. There's not somebody walking by. And if they are, it's no big deal because this 500 freaking pound door is there. So nothing's getting out. And I'm not going to go run and tell anybody anything. Now Mitch is going to be, who stopped by? (laughs) Who's coming by? (laughs) After I returned to work, after getting no sleep, which is my current state, somebody was going on and on about not getting shifts and why this person is and this and this and this. I turned to them. I just said, I just had a kid. I couldn't possibly care less about you getting a shift or that person getting a shift. I don't care. <laughs> and I just walked away. I don't remember <laughs> who it was. I don't remember. Are you but, yeah, are you being truthful with the House of L right now? Do you not do you really not I remember? I really don't. I would tell you. Yeah, if it was, that's that's true. You would tell me. I'm trying to think of well, let's That's I why I was a little worried about recording today because you, you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. And a lot of times people don't want to hear the answer. Yeah. And they just want to hear that. They want that confirmation bias, right? It's true. But you know me. You ask me something, I'm going to give my opinion, whether it's positive or negative. Like, well, you asked. Like, gets me in trouble at home all the time. Well, why'd you ask? Even though you're supposed to do those, like, white lies as a husband. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. Most of the time, you know. Self-preservation at times. but Sure. Facts. Yeah. 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 If we go down that road, there's definitely a, a lot to talk about. My daughter is very excited. Hear about it every day. The uh, daddy-daughter dances around the corner. Nice. And that is a big thing. That's great. I know people don't give a damn. See, I don't talk about my kids a, a lot around here. I know. Because I feel like, and that's not out of design. It's not that I don't want to. I just think. Majority don't have kids, first off. I think, a, not you, but I think a lot of people just don't care. They don't care to hear about your kids. Yeah, but I like problems. hearing about your kids because your kids are adorable. Well, that's different. Yeah, it's different. You're a close friend. But I I just feel like most people don't care. Or people that do have kids, they care about their kids. They don't care about other people's that's kids. That's true. It's kind of like what we were talking about with fantasy teams. But right. I, <laughs> yes, right, I, do, sure. I do think that with the approach, the approach to whatever job you're you're doing and i wonder if it's the same in other career paths where i mean i saw it in you i mean i saw it in jason like i saw when jace was born like the light like click on like jay is on his grind like he's like so laser focused that i go wow like there there was i i hold him in very high regard as a talk show host anyway but there was a different level that he went to after he had Jace. And I feel like it's the same thing with you. Like I you, you just could see like Joe's on on his shit right now. Like he's 
he's focused. And all of this stuff, I, I don't want to say that it wouldn't have happened for you without kids. Like, that's ridiculous. But I do think that your approach to it is very clinical. And I mean that as a compliment. Like, you're you're not letting a lot of emotion get in the way of how you end up making decisions because the emotion that you've put into what's best for your family is what's kind of guiding you. And then the rest of it is bullshit. Like the rest of it doesn't it matter. And yes, I'm going to do the next thing. That's, that's what I mean. So we were talking about striking that balance earlier. And sometimes, sometimes it's so hard. So you say laser focus. So you have a podcast, you have, a baseball show, you have a column, and, if, and on top of the, 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 my duties here, Monday through Friday, doing the updates. But then also, it's like, sometimes, am I doing the right thing? Because to do all of that stuff, and you call it laser focus, I'm also taking away from them. I've got to write this thousand-word column, and I can't go to baseball, or leaving on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. to go do hit and run. They're dragging my legs, begging me not to leave. That is so hard. And I'm. this isn't my full-time job. I'm doing it because I want to do it for the extra airtime and for the extra money, and the benefit is for them. And the, So it's it's tough to figure out. Is that the right – is it always the right thing to do? Well, like I said, I, I thank you sincerely for this. You were uh, – you honestly should have been on the podcast earlier. I'm not sure why we didn't. When you do t- this. Well, you texted me. I'm like, who the hell wants to hear from me? I well, I want you on the podcast because I we have could, lots of questions. We could do a whole episode on this radio station. <laughs> oh my god! You know how many people would listen to? We should. Yeah, we get a bunch of us in a room. I think that that's one of the things I want to do this year. Like, I definitely want to put the nighttime crew together for an episode. So, like, me, you, Herbie, Tanny, Roki. Like, okay. oh, put- I was texting her earlier today. I said I was doing this. I said I know you're gonna come up at some point. Yeah, I I think she actually. I mean, I know that you got to go. Like you got stuff to do. I'm but fine. I I think that she added something to what we do at night. And honestly, the radio station that's hard to duplicate because for once we got the combination of young and female. We got young female sports fan. What's important to her and what was important to her was completely different than what was important to us. And yeah, I, I kind of like, like, honestly, like as I'm getting older, as you're still right in the middle of the demo, by the way, but no, yeah, I was just, but, but, but you're trending towards the back end of the I'm demo in the next I'm year. In the middle. You're yeah. right there. Well, I'm now in the back end of the demo. So, Whenever, whether it was Roki or now with Tony, seeing the way that they see sports is um, it's fascinating to me because they love sports, but it's not in the same way that we love sports. And I think that there is some value to that. And that's why I loved having her here. It was also from a sonic standpoint. I loved hearing her voice on the air. I thought it was it was good to break up the the male voices with her jumping in at any point saying something that might be crazy. <laughs> might be. 
oftentimes it was crazy. And I also liked that you guys had the big brother, little sister relationship, that it played out on the air. It played out in videos. It played out on her Snapchat, that it was there for anyone to consume. Yeah. Very valuable. When you started that, talking about how valuable they are, and using Tony and Roki as examples, what I thought you were going to say is something completely different, not so much how they view sports. And this is the case with both of them. How important it is, and this you can translate to your workplace, how important it is to have people around that people just love. Mm-hmm. Especially once Terry left. Yeah. Because you just gravitate towards Terry. You see him in the hallway. You would run up because you just want a minute of his time just to say hello and see what backhanded compliment, which is really him just ripping you to shreds, he was going to have for you. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's the same thing with Barry. When he's in the hallway here, everybody gravitates towards them. And he could call you the worst thing in the world. And just like Terry... You're going to laugh. And Tony and Roki used those people as examples. You're talking about their sports, but everybody loves both of them too. Correct. So it's, I think it's also important to have as many of those people around as you can and in every line of work, right? No matter what your grind is from day to day. We miss, I'll, I'll probably get emotional talking about it, but we miss Terry and Doug. Oh like, my God. Doug's exact same. We, we miss him. Like, I just... I mean, there's a reason I won't change my avatar on my Twitter. Yeah. Like, I can't. It's I have weird. A, I have the, the, the card from the funeral on my refrigerator, so I see it every day. And it, it just makes me laugh. Like, anytime I, I think about Doug, like, it's just... How many times a day do you think about... Like, there are... Often. There are so many names, so many phrases we hear in football. And I... My God. Every time I hear Dave Ragone... I start cracking up because Doug he was him. in on it because He's, he was Italian and, and he, that was the only reason. And Louisville, but yeah, yeah, he'd be so happy. I thought about Doug. I thought about Doug during the uh, the Eagles New Orleans game because towards the end of the game, there was uh, a free release on the tight end. The tight end got a free. It was late as they were trying to come back, and I kept thinking about Doug's whole point of you cannot let. These what these tight ends who are really now wide receivers get a free release because if you do, they're going to tear you apart. And I think about that in the context of watching football. Doug was ahead of head of the game on this. Yeah. When he saw Greg Olson, he was like, This is different. This is not how tight ends used to play, and defenses are going to have to adjust. And if you have a defense that isn't athletically skilled to take on a tight end like this, you better hit him in the face, and you better do it at the line of scrimmage because if they get off the line of scrimmage, you're dead, and they're going to make a big play behind you. I've never seen someone prepare harder for a radio show than Doug Buffon, and so – this is why some, some former players are great at this because they view the radio show as game day. They prepare it, prepare for those four hours, those, whatever you have, five hours, like it's a game. Like you can work. Some people think you can't work with former athletes. 
They're the perfect guys to work with. I'll tell you who, who I see you can it in coach here. Coach them, Olin. Olin is the exact same way. Yeah. that Doug was, and people don't understand. Like Doug used to get up, get here for the morning show, hmm. and he beat the papers here. When we they used to deliver the papers, Doug would be back in the kitchen on Belmont, just studying. Thinking about different things He's doing that you the want wise to talk guys. about. I would see it every day. And, and I mean, it's just a notes upon notes upon notes upon notes. Things that he's right now. Olin's the same way. Alex is like that. Ale- Alex Brown is like that. Yeah. Where he's, Alex knows stuff where you're like, wait, what? Like, how, how did you know? Like, he's watching every college game. He's watching every NFL game. He's betting on a lot of them. But he's My watching- guy. I got to get him on. Alex... Alex, a dude you should get on for sure. <laughs> you, so I keep you. interrupting you. You know what other former bear has a sports betting podcast? Who? Earl Bennett. No! <laughs> you know what? He reached out to me. I ran into it, and I was like, I've got to get him on. i got to get him on the show because he actually reached out to me <laughs> a few weeks ago, and I was like, about what? Like, what are we going to talk about? Now I know. No, now I, maybe. Maybe. He's good. But I, I just I, – I always love that about Doug, and I've – I mean, maybe we've probably held on to that memory too long, and maybe we need to let some of it go. But no, when when it comes to Doug and Terry, like we're miss, we're still missing that void. Like there's still a void at the score. Now, it so hasn't fill it. it. It hasn't reflected in the numbers. Like the numbers are still good. We're still killing what some people think is our competition. Which inside the hallways, we don't really. Like the guys at one thousand, it's whatever. Like we're looking for BBM, we're looking for VAZ. At least in our minds, that's what we should be looking at. Wait, are, are you talking about for listeners or for us? For us, I think that we should be focused. Not, I mean, I don't. Outside of you and I talking about the business of it, how often does one thousand come up? Seriously, it doesn't come up that often here. We both have friends there. Yeah. And but you want you want your friends to do well, but we years ago it it feels like it came up a lot more, right? Yeah, I don't know if we consider them competition anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I it, it's well, it's it's almost like we're all doing different things though digitally too, which is also as important. If that's not what I mo- think. If not more, that's what I think. I I don't know. I don't I don't view them. And and we're not ripping on no, them by I'm, saying, but just. Like here's I know a, here's programmers way. care about the ratings and people care about the stories that are written about the ratings, but the bigger deal to me is what are you, what's the look of your station? What are you doing digitally? Are people talking about you? Are you are, are you, you in tr- the zeitgeist? Like do people like I still think that when a big story breaks, they turn here. Still, the Bears yeah, lose, fair. they turn here. That's where they go. And to me, it's not. It's not Bears and Packers. It's not. It's I don't are they worried about us? Probably not. No, it's Bears and White Sox. Like th- like it's different. Like sure, we're in the same place, but it's not the They don't have any play-by-play. It's, it's like which which hurts them. I mean, tremendously. how do you really how do you compare like oh, these these guys are rivals. Okay, this station has the Cubs, their sister station with the Bears. They have a lot, they have some Bears programming there. Now they have the Bulls. They also have the Super Bowl. They have the and Bulls the that rate, by the way. Yeah. They have Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football. It's just, it's, it's, different. it's an even fair? 
No, it's not. And I mean, if you if people want to judge like show per show or like you know you like cap show, yeah, people do that. It's that's fine. fine. I, I and but I think that most people flip back and forth. And they, they go back and forth, and they yeah. probably still end up on Bernstein and McKnight, or they end up on Mac and Parkins. Anyway, but there are also things that they can do that we can't. They have access to all these wonderful guests uh, from ESPN. And yep. for those that don't know, we don't have access to those people. That's why you never hear them on our station. Yeah. Because they're not allowed to come on. There's some that will get permission, but I mean, rare. I was, it's very rare. And usually, if that person is working on a third party thing, so like uh, promoting a book. Right. If Tim Kirkchen writes a book, Kirkchen, ESPN will then allow him to come on the score to promote the book. But I was just having a conversation with an ESPN employee that I wanted to bring on the air, and I said, you know, could you ask permission to... Yeah. And they were like, Chicago's a no-fly rule. Like, we can't... Like, I I want to come on because I listen to the show, but I can't because of 1,000. So, but I don't even... But still... Back when it was like that, I used to get mad. When we were CBS, and I would go to Mitch, like, hey... The ESPN people can't come on here. So we're CBS. Why is Phil Sims on over there? Mm-hmm. Why why don't they say, why doesn't CBS say that they can't go on the ESPN stations? But and, I and mean wh- it was different then. And why and why don't those CBS people want to be on locally more? I never understood that. We would have the worst time oh, I know. trying to get CBS experts on yes. market three. Like I get it. You don't want you don't want to go on in Little Rock. Okay, I understand that. I get you don't want to go on in Little Rock. This is Chicago. You've got the Bears game. Why don't you want to be on in Chicago talking about? But whatever. It's, again, that's that's for the next segment. The next time that we do this, yeah, we could do a million things. Yeah, we'll just do a rant. But again, I do want to do the the whole nighttime show, like a nighttime show reunion as an episode. You're gonna have to edit the hell out of this one. No, I'm not. I'm letting it ride. This oh, is okay. I'm, I'm gonna let this be one episode. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it live as one episode. I when I break them up into two episodes, I get frustrated because I feel like people don't listen. The num the the gold number is forty two. Forty two minutes for a podcast is about what it is. But then, where'd you find that? I was talking with some some podcasts and some radio executives about it. Like that's I always heard around there. The idea is the, a commute. Yes. Right. But but then I, I judge myself. And then maybe it's not fair because I'm in the industry. But if there's something good, I keep listening to it. And, for example, if Mark Marin is interviewing someone that I really like or what I found with him, he's so good at interviewing, it doesn't matter what my feelings are about the person before he does the interview. Yeah. I always enjoy it for the most part. It's not like I'm like, oh, an hour. Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to listen anymore. I just keep listening. If it doesn't fit my commute, like into work at 4 a.m., then I'm going to pick it up on the way home. Yes. If it's good. Now, there were were some where I wanted separation, like the, the episode with my students. I wanted the separation yes. of the episodes because makes perfect sense. There was a di- there was a difference in tone in, in the first half of the interview from the second. With this, which was by the way for me that was so weird to listen to. To hear you you be referred to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it is the truth, so It was. It was good. Yeah, I, I thought it was it. good. I think that hopefully people have gotten a little bit of a window into how I do this whole radio thing. 
um, and what's important to me. But no, nah, man, I'm letting this shit ride. <laughs> People are going to hear the whole thing, and that's it. Podcasts are awesome. I know you realize this. You weren't sure about doing it, and then once you started doing it, you're, it was like crack. Like, you're addicted. You know what was crazy? That first episode that I did with Benetti, yeah. um, I remember thinking, like, man, if 500 people listen to this, I would be happy. <laughs> yeah. And now 6,000 people have downloaded that episode. Like, that... And it wasn't even, like, the audio was crap. Like, it was terrible. He was great. It was crap. But now I do like to put out content. And I kept thinking I would go back to every other week instead of every week. But I went through a list around Christmas of all the people that I want to talk to this year. And the list is, like, 75 people. What's cool about your podcast, which I'm a little jealous of, is so with mine— I know we keep extending, and you're going to be so mad when you listen back. Like, oh, Joe should have let – should fuck up and just let me finish right there when I was trying to say goodbye to him five times ago. But is – they're evergreen. They live forever. Like, my stuff is done that week because I'm previewing what's going on. Hence the name early odds of previewing the big sporting events. Like, it's done. Like, sure, you can go back and learn some lessons if you want, but if you're looking for picks or stuff like that or how you're viewing a certain matchup, yeah, it's no use to you. Yeah, and I I encourage people to go back because there is stuff. Like, I would hope that anyone listening to this episode, if they didn't already, would go back and listen to part two of my sit-down with my students because you will understand why I want Joe on the podcast. I would hope that they would go back and listen to the Barry Rosner episode and hear me talking about hit and run with him and comparing and contrasting his thoughts on hit and run with your thoughts on hit and run, and then understand why the show was so good. There's so many episodes that I don't think enough people have listened to. Um, and it's not a, man, I want you to listen to more because it gets my, my revenue up. Like the John Weideman sit down was incredible. I didn't hear that one yet. It was really good. And we barely, like, as much as we talked about hockey, we talked about life. And I love when, when a guest is like, here it is. Like, like the, you take them down a road that maybe they weren't expecting, and then they run with it. And I heard from someone um, in the hockey world that he really liked it. Like, he actually, like, by name was talking about the podcast and how much fun that type of interview was for him. Probably he's never done that. Instead of doing an X and O's, let's talk about the power play type interview. Like I, I love media. Like that's the thing. Like I've, I figured out that, like you kind of figured out like a focus. Like I love media. I used to love um, Richard Deitch's podcast when he was with SI, and now he's with the Athletic. Right. And I felt like when I did a, a market, a comparative market analysis, no one's doing this. Like no one in Chicago is doing something that focuses on Chicago media in this meet in this medium. I don't understand why um is it Agra Jeff Agress? Yep. Why isn't he doing a podcast along with his media column? Why isn't Greenberg doing a podcast that goes along with his media column? Why Feeder. isn't Feeder? Honestly, Feeder should just do this. Like he should <laughs> I'm I'm dead serious. Yeah. He should just pull this and have and pay me and be a part of his network, I, I, because people are interested in it. Clearly, and and the numbers back it up. 
there are some people that you get to know. There are some people that you don't get to know. But I, I'm still learning the podcasting aspect of it and what's valuable. But I know that I am amazed that we're still not a year into this thing. Still, you know, four months away from it being a year. And it's gone over 200,000 downloads. Yeah. I can't believe it. I, I still marvel at the fact that I was sitting there in May going, when I was shopping it, I mean, you know, like I've told the story before on the pod. I shopped it to the score. I was like, I got this idea. I think it'll work. And I shopped it to NBC Sports Chicago and same thing. And there was hesitancy. And that hesitancy was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll just do it and produce it on my own. And what I found out is that it was a lot, it was a lot easier than I expected it to be. Now there's the business side of it, like I've already tired of the business side of it, like trying to find advertisers, keeping up with invoices, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I haven't even done that. The, the separation just... of church and state like needs to happen and hopefully it will happen in the next 12 months. I actually have an idea of like how I want to do that too. Um, I I want to, I want to, I, I can tell you, and I mean, I guess now I'm telling the people who are listening, I want to get Mike Hall's wife, Linda, right, to handle the business aspect of House of L. The sales? Yeah. Yeah. Like all of it. Like we can split, I, the money doesn't matter. Like it matters, but it doesn't matter to me in a way that like then you could do the sale. Like I'm, Along with doing this, like, I'm also out on sales calls. Like, I'm yeah, on, I you know, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to, because it's my baby, and I don't want anyone to tell me my baby is ugly. Even though, you know, she might be a little That's ugly. That's why you have an agent, right? That's why I have an agent. So you go, the agent goes in the room, right. and they hear all the terrible things that your radio station or your TV station says about you. And then they distill it, and they bring it back to you and say, here's what they're thinking. Here's the spin. Yeah, so we're used to this, Ben. All right, so Joe, again, thank Sorry, you. I'll shut up now. No, man, don't shut up. It's all good, man. This is this is great. This is already one of my most favorite episodes of the podcast, and it hasn't even been produced. And when it's finally finished and produced, and people are going to look and be like, 97 minutes? No. Yeah, they're going to be like, no, pass. No, they're not. They're going to listen. It's a good thing. Thanks, sir. You got it. Well, I hope you got something out of that. Including me talking about being sick. I'm sure that was enjoyable for everybody on the pod. I've been dealing with it, man. I really have. I, it's been bad. Shout out to Joe for being on the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Joe0670 and read his column, The Athletic. Check out his podcast, Early Odds, is actually great. Like, I love the the production of it is really good, too. Like, you can tell, like, a producer does that pod. Like, you can tell. Because it's really well done. So I'm glad that we had time. And as I told you, I thought about this being a two-parter. But I said, what the? And just let it ride. And end up being a, a, a one, one-off. And hopefully you had enough time in your day or your days to enjoy it. And let me hear your response to it. And you can let me know that I should have broken it up into two parts. And email me, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, oh, yeah. By the way, later on this week, if, if you're downloading this or listening to this the week of January 14th, I'm going to be giving away some Club Dub shirts via the podcast. I talked 
with the guys at Bandwagon Champs. And I said, can I have some shirts for the pod? And they were like, absolutely. By the way, check out their Instagram if you want to buy one. But I'm going to give three out. I got a medium, a large, and an extra large. I'm going to give them out on Twitter. But here's the thing. I really want people who listen to the podcast, who are loyal to the podcast, to get the shirts. So if you are new to the podcast, you should bone up on some back episodes. I'm not going to tell you which ones. But I can tell you that to win the Club Dub shirt, you're going to have to have a working knowledge of the guests that we have had on House of L. I am going to ask questions about House of L, and I'm going to let people who know about House of L, who have been listening to House of L, win those shirts. At least that's the, the idea. Hopefully I'll ask questions that only people know inside the pod, but who knows. Speaking of emails, let's get to those. Let's see here. This one is from Tony. Lawrence, awesome podcast. I was first introduced to you on a 10-hour ride from Minnesota and caught many of your broadcasts on that trip. I also enjoy the variety of guests. I'm more of an old-school comic book guy, so a lot of Avengers and Justice League and then an Axeman. I've always had a hard time dealing with the newer characters. Would appreciate consideration for your Wolves trip. I don't listen a lot to the Bears portions of your podcast being a Raiders fan, but those that I have listened to, I do enjoy. Have an awesome week. That's Tony. Tony, thanks for that. I haven't announced it yet, but yeah, you can come out. We're going to do like a whole thing. So just people who are listeners of House of L can come out. So don't worry about that. As far as old school, I, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I've kind of taken a break from comic books themselves. And I'm going to jump back on. I do feel bad in my comic book store, First Aid Comics in Hyde Park. Like, I had a box there, and I was like, yeah, it just got to be overwhelming. Like, I wasn't reading fast enough. So I didn't want them to keep pulling stuff for me, and it just piling up and piling up. But I'm thinking of, like, rebooting and starting all over. And I've heard that, you know, X-Men Red is really good. I enjoyed X-Men Gold. Um... I missed the entire episode where the episode issue of Green Lantern where Hal meets God. So I might want to go back and get that one because I feel like that's important. But I might just start over. So if you got any recommendations that you want to send my way, houseofelpodcast at gmail.com. I don't know when I'm going to start over. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm thinking about starting over. I've been donating my comics to, to kids and trying to get them involved in comics, which is good through panther like she takes a lot of my stuff to the school and i love the idea that there are young people that are being exposed to comic books at a younger age and maybe it becomes something that they enjoy for the rest of their lives and i feel like that's what instead of like the recycling like putting it in the blue box i would recycle through giving them to a school because why not why just throw them away or even just recycle them like there are lots of kids who are not going to buy as much comic books as I'm going to buy. So why not let them read it? And then maybe they they turn out to be fans of it as well. But don't worry, man. Once we announce what day we're going to go to the Wolves game, we'll set it all up. We'll be good to go. All right? All right. Okay. Who else we got here? This from Ed. <laughs> Ed says, I've been working on this since Sunday. When at one point I referred to Hicks as Galactus, Swallower of Planets. And then I thought of Mac as, as Thanos and 
Then I started looking up supervillains for each of the Bears' defense, wanting to get your thoughts. All right, I did this a little while ago. I put together a superhero team from around the NFL. Let's see what Ed's got. Oh, this, yeah, from Ed, a.k.a. Jackie Treehorn. I get it. I see what you did there. It's a beverage here, man. So Mac is Thanos. Goldman is Bane. That's actually pretty good. Hicks is Galactus. Bullard is Juggernaut. Floyd is Killmonger. Smith is Dr. Doom. Trevathan as General Zod. Fuller as Loki. Hmm. Amos as Ultron. Jackson as the Joker. Callahan as Sinestro. Amukamara as Scarecrow. And Fangio as the Kingpin. So. Huh. This is interesting, Ed. I... This is really interesting. I might have to to gank your idea and come up with my own because I'm I'm already having some some differences of opinion with you on this. Maybe we shouldn't make them villains. Maybe we should make them heroes. I wonder how the Bears defense would like to be viewed. My guess, knowing some Bears defenders, is that they don't mind being the bad guys. So you're probably on to something. That they rather be the villains. But they're also the bad guys all the time. One of the funniest things that ever happened to me at a Bears training camp practice was the Bears intercepted a ball. And Mike Brown, like, you know, people were, like, booing. And he's like, we're Bears too. But everyone just wants to see the offense do well, and they never wanted to see the defense do well which I always thought was weird, but it was a great point. We're Bears, too. You should be cheering. But thanks for that, Ed. I appreciate it. If you'd like to send something our way, Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today. It's appreciated. Hope my voice wasn't too bad. I'm still working my way back to 100%. I'm probably like 75 80%, but it's all good. Thanks for your support. Thanks to Joe Ostrowski for a great episode. I'm going to try to get out of here as quick as possible because this episode has been long as hell. But it's been worth it. Be back next week with a great episode and a great guest. Thanks for tuning in. Peace! Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.